0: All right, McFarland, McFarland Energy. Thank you so much for sponsoring the Bradford show all the way until the new year, 2023. And this is officially the last Who Says No of 2022. I feel like we're going to look back at the Who Says No, um, construct and remember it was born in 2022. Thanks in large part to us. More importantly, large part to our guest Gordo. What's going on? Hey, Bradford, how you doing?
1: Excited for the, for the final Who Says No Wednesday of the 2022
0: calendar year. If I told you a year ago that you'd be sitting here having helped invent something such as the Who Says No construct, you would have called me crazy. But here you are, you know, riding the wave that is like everybody, where people are ripping it off. We know this, right? Correct? People are blatantly- ripping A concept it. that
2: existed before? Have, have we TM'd this? Have we TM this to coop? I don't think we can TM something that's been around before us. You're our legal representation. Get on that. Come yeah, on. I'm, I'm. As your in-house counsel, I'm telling you, it's existed before us. That we will not win that fight. I, I didn't see it. I've if never... you want hey, if you want to pay me a commission to wage this out in the courts, I will happily take your money. But it will just be me taking your money. I can tell you that much.
0: Listen, you both are—you both went to school in Washington, so you are—you are my legal representation. There's a lot of brain power going on here in this podcast. High-quality
2: education—I I would say Gordo more so than me. It's an education. Uh, <laughs> it's not the Harvard at Walden Street in Springfield,
0: birthplace of basketball. Um, so anyway, we uh, we are once again—we're doing the, the our favorite thing to do, and everybody loves it. The numbers bear it out. People love this sort of thing. We're cruising through free. Isn't this weird though, guys? And by the way, Coop, I, I should introduce you. Hi, Coop. What's going on? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I'm um, but isn't this weird? This has been sort of such a unique off season because it's been a good off season, but it's been so unique because you had this wave of the top 25 free agents. And now it's like a dividing line. Okay. Now we're getting through the top 25 free agents. Now we can do trades. Isn't this bizarre? No? Yes? Anyone?
1: Yeah, no. It's it, This offseason is different than all the others. I just can't remember a time, I guess, outside of the lockout where everyone just kind of came, came off the board. Like, everyone was there. And then you fast forward a week and a half, and there's, what, three, three four of the top 50 guys left?
0: Yeah. It, and, we, and there was obviously in years, years past, I used to say this, about 10 years ago. I don't know when it stopped being this way, but it used to be you pretty much done on Christmas. And and, and that included trades, by the way. You were done on Christmas. You had the week after Christmas off, and then you had a smattering of stuff. But as you said, this time it was the top tier, the top 25, whatever it is. What do you say? How many do you think from the top 50 are left? Oh, God. It must have been That's like, like correspondent at five
1: or six. Yeah. Five or six? That's it? I see, there was maybe it was top 25. I could be wrong. There was a Cotillo tweet I read. At one well, point. that's wrong. Then it's wrong.
0: I mean, it's like science. So it's if if, if Cotillo wrote it, it's wrong. Put yeah. that on the board. You're looking cool marking that on the video.
2: No, I'm more. I'm looking it up. I'm searching Catillo's name. <laughs> Search Catillo top 25 or top 50. You, you may, you, you, I, I take that back. Chris Cotillo, fine
0: reporter and one of the finest professors Boston College has ever
2: had. I want to um, know what his average GPA was for his class. <laughs> that's that's what I want to know. Well, we should get him on. We should honestly. like He keeps begging to come
0: on. So we should get him on, but we won't even ask him about baseball. We're just going to ask him about profing at the fine institution that is Boston College. So um, anyway, so we have whatever the number is. There's been a lot of free agents to come off the board. And now, and all the while, we've been doing trades, which is great. Because all these made-up trades, they still sort of stand. There hasn't been, a, like, yeah, you had Murphy come off. That's fine. But you haven't had a lot of other trades. So, we can keep it coming. We can keep the fake trades rolling. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So, uh, let's go. Gordo, what do you got? What's, what's your fake trade? Yeah. So, even though
1: not a lot of trades have been made this offseason, what we have seen is some of the holes the Red Sox had coming in get filled. So, the different types of trades that we have, it's slimming down. So what I focused on this week, I'm trying to get the Sox young, controllable, good starting pitching. And I'm trying to do it the way they're trying to do it. Figure out creative ways to get good, young starting pitching without giving up your crown jewel prospects. So the first trade I got, we've got the Red Sox and the Marlins making a trade. We're bringing in Edward Cabrera and Abisail Garcia, who's got three years and $36 million remaining on his contract. We'll say the Red Sox eat about 75% of that. Going back to the Marlins, we've got Alex Verdugo, Jaron Duran, their choice of Mikey Romero and Nick York, and Blaze
0: Jordan. Okay. All right. Uh, The Red Sox aren't going to do it. You know why? That was a quick death. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you said Mikey Romero. They love Mikey. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they, they still are in the honeymoon phase with Mikey, aren't we all? I mean, we've barely seen him play. But the idea of him, you know, and maybe he's great. I don't know. But I I, I just, this what it comes back to is that, we, and we've been doing this exercise now for a while, and I can honestly say, I've said this a million times, so I'll say it again, the trades that you and the others have proposed, like, they're all absolutely reasonable trades. Trades which I want to fax over to Haim Bloom right now and say, here, check your fax machine, replace your paper. These are good trades. Do them or at least entertain them, make some calls. But all these guys, you know, this is the problem. Who who are they going to give up? I know they're not going to give up Marcelo Meyer, but I don't even think they're going to give up the, like the Mikey Romero's of the world. So that remains to be seen. I just think that we have to see when are they going to turn the page, flip the script, and stop going from the team that is going to get the four guys back for the one or two and give the four guys back for the one or two.
1: You know what I'm saying, Gordo? Yeah, 100%. And I just I think it's interesting because we hear that the guys they're trying to ship out are like the low-level, high-upside guys. But you're right. They're probably not going to be too keen on dealing the guy they just picked in the first round, what?
0: Four or five months ago? like? No, here's here's the names that you'll hear in trades. for The Red Sox. It's Matt Barnes. It's, Brian, it's Bobby Dahlback. It's Tanner Houck, and then then you start getting then the other the prospects back. The other guys, smattering of other guys. Those are the guys who you'll start hearing.
2: So here's a question for the both of you. Ooh, Today, nice. a lot of people have been paying attention to the amount of space left before the Red Sox hit that salary tax threshold. I believe it's around twenty million right now, or 10, somewhere that, between yeah. ten and twenty. Um, do you think this means that they're going to start, you know, getting some trades where they're taking on a whole lot more of a contract, where they're a little bit more comfortable to bring in a bigger contract, or do you think it's still going to be business as usual? Heim Bloom looking for his diamonds in the rough, one to two or one to three years, really, like small value. Goro, go ahead.
1: Um. I could see them taking salary back in a trade. Those are the types of trades that I certainly mock up for them. I would just feel a little bit odd at this point if they took enough salary back slash signed free agents and pushed themselves over the tax. I could see themselves putting themselves in a position to get up to the tax. And if, and if things are going great midseason, then... You're open to going over the tax, but just with the way the roster is constructed right now, and and with the with the pattern teams take of ducking under, you know, once every three years, I would just find it a little bit odd to go over the tax the same season you lose Xander Bogarts. Can I just but, say
0: this? Can I just say this? This is go depressed. ahead. It's depressing. You it? know why it's depressing? Because we have we have uh, our good friend Uncle Steve, you know, a few miles away over in New York. And he's saying tax, like all the things he like. Cora, all the
2: things that you're saying, absolutely, absolutely, it's the same we, thing he said to the SEC. Yeah, tax, tax, tax. What's a tax? We'll worry about that later. <laughs> it's, That's it, just his philosophy.
0: But it's it's all that we obsess over this. We have obsessed over this. I've gone years and upon years upon years where you're figuring out, okay, are you going to go over the tax? And you always ask. I love that. Like, oh, well, you'd be willing to go over the tax? Yes, we'll be willing to go with the tax when you knew that they were never going to go over the tax. But I'm just saying it's, it's, it's not realistic for what I'm going to say, but can we just be like Uncle Steve? Can we just be like Cohen? Can we just be like the Mets where you just say, you know, I know the penalties. I get that. But you really well, – all you want to do is build a good team, and you're going to have to suffer. And the Dodgers have done it. The Dodgers have suffered. The Mets are about to suffer. Other teams have suffered in this realm, but you know what they've also done? They've won a lot of games.
2: Red Sox and, need to be a lot like the Department of Defense and just start throwing around money. That's, I mean, that's all it is. That's just right. Play I mean, like, just play like money isn't real. We're who playing is with an toilet seat. Uh, Say it again. Listen. <laughs> the what? I, I picked up on that. <laughs> no, you know, you want a couple of thousand dollar toilet seats. Yes, you know, exactly. Yeah, sprinkle yeah. it here and there. The old Robert Kraft method of, you know, we're just going to pop open a couple of TV12 shops down the street. It has nothing to do with paying into the Tom Brady, but they're just there now.
0: Yeah. I, it's So anyway, I I admire you, Gordo, for your take on the luxury tax. And I think you're dead on. But it's it is as we're talking about this, it's like the the Mets are ready to pay 100 million dollars in luxury tax, like more than most team salary. So it's 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 nuts. I hate I hate the luxury tax talk, and and I hear the you know what if if they obviously got under it last at the deadline, um, you know the the comp pick would have been what was it? What it was going to be like? You know, I don't know. Seventies. They, yeah, they would have been in the seventies instead of the thirties or something like that. Um and, and they probably lose sleep over that. And that's fine. But you know what they should lose sleep over? Not winning. Just like this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like as Matt Strom said, you were you were you're playing through field position and then Tom Brady came in the game and then you, you got dominated the trade deadline. That happened. It is what it is. But don't let don't let the luxury tax dictate how you're gonna build the team. That's in synopsis, that's what I'm saying to you. Don't let the luxury tax how build, dictate how you build a team. But that's how we know that how they operate now. It's how yeah, that's, that's just the that's just how this Red
2: Sox well, operate.
0: It's how most teams
2: operate. But it, you know, it's, it's it doesn't need to be. It doesn't, it doesn't need no. to be. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be. Honestly, I mean 2018 Red Sox didn't operate that way. The, Dave uh, Dombrowski uh, does not yeah, care they, about that.
0: they did after. And and so you know that's, that's what I'm
2: saying. So, like that's why that's why that question does matter because I don't think they're willing to go. No, no, it matters of, of course it matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, in my perfect
0: world, which is me not me and you, Coop not sleeping two hours a night. You yeah. know, not <laughs> perfect world. Who wants that? Yeah, it's, it's it's that's not worried about luxury tax. You know, so anyway, I don't want to talk about the luxury tax anymore. No more yeah. luxury
2: tax. No though. more luxury tax. It's we luxury want some tax. Coley. We want some Coley Mick type uh, yeah, deals. Exactly. You think Coley's worrying about the luxury tax? No. I can tell you right now, Coley does not like worry at all about the luxury no. tax. He's sleeping sweeten his bed like homer simpson just not worrying about the luxury tax yeah, i he, wish i could have that life
0: can we have nate like do a graphic luxury tax talk with a big x throw it please no more no, no more. more new year's resolution 2023 we can't mention luxury tax you think right. that, you think in the winter weekend in a couple of weeks they're setting
2: up the luxury tax booth you know here. they're gonna have to because i feel like they're gonna get questions on yeah, come it on, come over here and listen yeah. to the lawyers talk about the luxury tech. It'll go be ahead. right next to it'll be right next to where John Henry set up to talk to everyone.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> God are you a winter weekend guy? So I've never been before and thinking
1: about going this year, just trying to figure out where I can put the dog up. But I do wanna I do wanna go this year. Everyone says great things about it.
0: Uh what do you say, where you can where you can
1: put the dog? I've got a dog. I don't know where to like. Uh, you know sometimes what my mom can take him.
2: You guys want him? You can take no, him. Bring the dog. Rob's, like... Rob's not going. Rob, you can take the dog. No. Well, <laughs> that was a quick no. Unless <laughs> you want me? Unless you wanted like me to,
0: to strap him to the end of my high school basketball team's bench, yeah. So no, but you can bring the dog to winter weekend. Uh, we have an engineer named Doug Lane. He'd be happy to watch. Just this, this fasten it right to the uh, the uh, Wei stage.
2: So there you go. Nice. I, I, you have carte blanche for all your hard work and all your work for the company. I think uh, Doug would get along with it. Doug cool. seems like a big dog guy. Oh, they, they,
0: like Doug would tell stories about the Navy. It would be great. It's, yeah. Your dog would never be happier. And you would be froggling <laughs> around winter weekend, like racing, practicing how fast you run to first base, hitting uh, VR, you know, games. And it's, it's just magical. Talking to Louis Tian, it's all a magical time, winter weekend.
2: Anyway, by then Maybe that's where we can have the forty yarder, or are we reducing oh, it from a forty yard? Who? Yeah, who was? Oh, who were we going to? It was have? Whitlock and Houck. Yeah. Luckily, they survived this off season so far. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't. We have no. to get that done before they're shipped off. Yeah, I
0: think that's the wheelchair race. So yeah, um, yeah, it's. I, I could I, have I'm, their wives race. I'm looking forward to asking Kenley Jansen who he could beat in a race. So that's. That's something. That's something. Who would win in a race? Kenley Jansen or Yoshida? It's a great Ishida. question. Come on. It's got to be Yoshida. One, one's like seven foot tall and then the other's like four foot tall. So who's going to win in a race? Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. Let's not take shots at our short kings. He's five eight. <laughs> I mean, come, come on. Let's not yeah. minimize. Let's not minimize it's, that. These short kings.
1: Oh so You no, got to remember, Kenley's got some wear and tear on his knees from catching back in the day. He's got
0: like yeah, half a decade on Yoshi. Like Masuda's kind of quick too, so I think yeah, that's that's a bad comp. I'm gonna get someone with with Kenley though. Who Should else her
2: we'll, fast? Well, oh, there
0: you go. Uh, all right, well enough of that. So I like your in synopsis. I like your trade. I like you picking the Marlins apart. This is like this is who they should be targeting. But do you know what I'm saying Gordo about the whole thing about you know that they just these guys that we're talking about, they, I don't think they're going to trade them. I just don't. It's just
1: tough cuz like they you, they say they want to improve the big league roster, but they don't want to trade their their primary four prospects. If you don't want to trade your last couple first round picks, you're not you're not willing to trade anyone of value and and like there's only a certain amount of teams that are going to be going to be in the market for guys like How and Dahlbeck and Duran and guys like them.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, 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 and that's the problem. And that's, and that's, this is the thing. We don't know when it comes to the Red Sox offseason. I don't know how you guys feel. And I know, Coop, like you, uh, before that, you actually like interviewed Heimblum, Bloom, you demanded that he was fired. And <laughs> I that, didn't even interview him. Well, whatever. Um, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, right now, obviously their Q rating isn't great with their offseason. But I did I did see Catillo say this and I and I agree with them is that you're basically you're halfway through the off season. Let's see what happened. Yeah, you 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 sort of whiffed on first the first wave and, and that's indisputable, right? Where you said you had all this money, we're gonna do we you've never seen us with this much money, and you end up with Yushida, Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, and and Justin Turner. That's fine. Oh, and um who was a lefty reliever? Uh Jolie. Lee, Jolie, right? Jolie Jolie Rodriguez. Rodriguez. And Kluber. Oh, and Kluber. Yeah, so, I mean, they got these guys, right? But the problem is is that you didn't get the top 25 guys, and that's what people wanted to see. They wanted to see some of that. So, but, 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 you still have a ways to go. So now we look at it is that you still can get some some of these guys, but to your point, Gordo, how are you going to do it? It doesn't add up right now to us unless you're able to really – put one over on a team or a team values like a Bobby Dahlbeck or one of these other guys or a how tremendously more, you know, that's, that's the question. How are you going to do this? And how? it's tough because you don't know
1: how many teams out there, or we, I guess we don't know how many teams out there see Tanner Hauk as a future starter. That's going to be a big deal when we're, t- well, when we're talking to these teams. I
0: think that that actually uh, is a value. I, I think that the fact that he can do both, And, you know, I think that I think Tanner Houck has a ton of value. In fact, you know, I look at this, you know, this is a whole nother conversation, or maybe a whole nother podcast about extensions. You know, we talk like the Braves extensions and how important they are. And Hein Bloom is talking about how important they are. But um, I think that Hauck is absolutely a guy that they've approached with like an extension offer. But approaching and getting a deal done, as we've seen with the Red Sox it's two different things. You got Whitlock. And then after that, this isn't exactly the Braves where they're flowing in. So yeah. So anyway, you got, is it get another one for us? Yeah, I got one more. And this, this one
1: on the, on the subject of Tanner, how him making it through the off season so far, I've got the Red Sox trading with the tigers and acquiring Tarek Skubel and old friend, Eduardo Rodriguez. For, yeah, we're getting spicy out here again. <laughs> Erod's coming back to the game. Erod, Erod is going to pitch again, and he's going to pitch again in Boston in this scenario. Okay, and going going back to going back to Detroit, we've got Tanner Houck, Nick Pavetta, and Nick York. I had I had it as Nick York, Mikey Romero, but in the spirit of not trading the first round pick, or at least the most recent first round pick, we're going to go with Nick
0: York. I like that thinking. I like that trade. I like it. I like that. I knew that you had to include Prevetta because you had to free up a spot in the rotation, right? Correct. Yeah, and and them with the Tigers trading two starters, they're going to need guys back too. And he's got value. He's got two years left. Well, the tie, from the Tigers' point of view, you get two starters. Boom. There you go. There. There it is. For like them, that. you gotta you gotta think. If you're the Tigers, for this deal to work,
1: they have to believe in Hauk as a starter, and they have to believe. That he's not that significant of a downgrade from Scooble, because then at that point, Eduardo Rodriguez has got, I think, sixty-three million dollars left on his contract, but he's got that three weird more, opt-out, three years, right? Three more years. What's the more, he's got four more years, but he can opt out after this year. Okay. So if he puts together a strong season, you're only on the hook for
0: fourteen mil. Yeah, I mean, and and for the Tigers. That's a bad look if you commit to Eduardo Rodriguez and he opts out. I'm just sorry it is. I mean, he was supposed to be you spending with Javi Baez. You were supposed to these are supposed to be the anchors and all of a sudden now you have to start over because this guy's opting out. For the Red Sox, opt out, fine. Go ahead, opt out. That's great. You know, so they'd love like, what you, I mean am I, am I wrong? Free money. Free up money. It's free money. Exactly. <laughs> So I, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like your thinking. I like it. And also the fact that we can put Red Sox trade for Eduardo Rodriguez? Question mark? Can you imagine that? what Twitter would be
2: like that day? Well, we'll find out tomorrow. Hey, we've not. seen it before.
1: <laughs> They've acquired their old guys before.
2: Yeah. You did yeah. it last year. I'm Acquiring. just like every every day in Red Sox, Twitter brings like a new, like it's a new frontier. And I just don't oh, know what to expect it's, from it's, anyone. We've this conversation, man.
0: It's exhausting.
2: It's yeah. Fun. <laughs> it's fun. Honestly, it's fun. It's hey, at least that's fun. what I'm telling myself.
0: It's sort of fun. It's, it's kind of fun. But it's, you know, it's also exhausting. I don't know. I mean, it's like the, <laughs> you know, you have the, you know, like obviously you're covering a, re- a team in the offseason. The frustrating thing is that there's no deadlines. You don't know when stuff is going to happen. So for me I was in a movie theater in Chicago watching The Fablemans. The end of the movie. You guys seen this movie yet? No, I haven't. So I have tired. That was that was decent. I know. So so you know what yeah so you were in a movie too, right? Yesterday when the Evaldi thing goes
2: down. Yeah. Yeah, no I walked out and I saw <laughs> that were, deal. We were both in
0: movies. So that, so I'm the annoying guy at the end of the movie who turns on my phone and there it is, you're texting Evaldi and everything else. But you like you don't know when this stuff is going to happen, and then for the rest of the night, the rest of the day, you have Ivaldi, Ivaldi, Ivaldi stuff, all kinds of takes, and then Kluber happens, Kluber, 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 all kinds of takes. Um, so it's good. It's I just don't remember it being this. I guess I would say robust. Uh, the the conversations robust is a great word, but I mean, Gordo, you you've been doing this for a few years now. What do you think? No, you're you're totally
1: right, and I've I've only been contributing to the conversation for like the last couple of years. Like I've, I've been a Twitter addict for as long as I can remember, but I can't, rem- it's just, it's because of all of the different holes that the Red Sox have had and all the different ways that they could fill it. Lots of money, a lot of, you know, fringe 40 man prospects. It, it, it led to a ton of discussion, a ton of different opinions. And I think it was a lot more fun at the beginning of the off season when we could, we could imagine Oh like Justin Verlander is coming to town like and now now it's like who's the best free agent on the market like Michael Walker's coming back to town like
2: Yeah, yeah. honestly yeah. Waka coming back would fire me up that's that's where I'm at
0: Well how, how much I mean the the it's funny because how much would a coming back move the needle if this say that, that happened which is, I don't know if you know this it didn't happen
2: I, to be to be completely honest it's more about maintaining right now than like, I would rather have that I know what to expect rather than the unknown, like, measurable. Like, this team is either going to be on par with what it was last year or worse is where I'm at mentally. And that's, like, an awful like well, place know, to you be know, as Red Sox. Like, well, you, know, what's
0: in, you know what's interesting, Coop, is that you put up – I assume this was you. Yeah, it's you because you're the only other one with the account uh, password. But you put up the thing, the, the video of, of
2: Haim – on, on our podcast, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, right. that's going to be a great thing to put out every time there's a signing. I mean, it's great. So,
0: so, yeah. So, it's the video of him saying, I'm paraphrasing, but saying it, that, you know, we're going to be better this year than we were last year, right? Correct? Is that right? We're going to have more talent in the room, is the quote. Right, okay. And unfortunately, now I, my, I can't turn on my phone because I keep getting these notifications. But the notifications are crazy because it's, you know, yeah, the majority of people... Are are like what are you talking about? Like, is he he serious? So forth and so on. But
2: then every once in a while you get like, he's right. He's right. Which right? Like, I don't want to say he is or he isn't. But like, the thing is, is just like the team that was on paper for 2022 was supposed to be very talented. So it's tough to say. And like what he's trying to do right now is he's trying to put a team together on paper that is, quote unquote, more talented in the room than they were last year. I don't think that's possible with where the free agent like like market is right now and what we can do for trades. I just like I don't see the on paper product being better. Now there is potential to be better just because the team bottomed out last year. Like they did not perform to what they could and what we saw in 2021. But it, it, to be coming out and continually saying like we want to be competitive, we know where this team can be, but like the the obvious thing is it's just like Hey, you guys can maintain at best. I don't think you can be better.
0: Well, uh, again, the story's yet to be told. And I don't know if did you guys see, this is a good thing about Twitter, like the Jordan LeAndre thing, uh, the chart he made, I thought that was pretty good. He compared to, I think he's compared the war of like all the positions, all the guys, and then going forward. And his point was he's right. He's one of these, he's right guys. Yep. And look at like, look at this compared to the last previous two years. And, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting. And so, uh, you know, one of the – got to write a column, I think, for tomorrow, um, either before or after I do the radio. But it's – you know, the column I want to do is that, hey, you know, you can turn over a roster because that's exactly what they did. Like the Evaldi thing was was the exclamation on this, we've turned over the roster. And I have the quote from John Henry going back to 2019, midway through the year where he said maybe we should have had shouldn't have done every like as much as we did in terms of keeping guys after 2018. What he's talking about was Valdi in particular at that time in sale. So like you can turn over the roster like they that would they've done, but you better make sure that you you're you're doing it the right way. You better make sure that the guys that you are banking on who are coming up are the right guys. It's just like and I use this analogy on the radio where if the Patriots bench Mac Jones, Mac Jones, that's it for Mac Jones. And that's fine. If you think that you're going to do better than Mac Jones, that's like much like the Raiders did with Derek Carr. They said, you know, Derek Carr, gone. He's gone. All right, that's fine. But you better make sure that you have a plan going forward. The Red Sox better make sure Tristan Cassius, Brian Bayo, Marcelo Meyer, all these guys who are, are going to be the guys after the guys with the short-term contracts after the, the guys that, you are, that there are, you're prioritizing over signing the seven-year deals, you better make sure that those are the right guys. But there's nothing wrong with turning over the roster. I mean, in, but people in Boston really hasn't, haven't seen that here, right? Really at all. Even in 2013 when they get all those guys in, it wasn't like you were turning over the roster. You still had Ortiz and Pedroia and Lester and all these guys. Devers is literally the only guy left. Yeah well, not and the only you, but you look at I think 2018 um it's Devers, Brazier, Barnes, <laughs> and somebody sail. Who sail. Went Steve sail.
2: Pierce. No. No, oh, I wish we still had Steve Pierce. He was just sail, sail. thank you. Say, say that's it. Four.
0: Four. You know, two thousand eighteen, that wasn't lot that long ago. And by the way, that was a world series team. So yeah, this is the, the Evaldi thing, that's what I took away from that, which is you look at the list now, like all these guys are gone. You're, you're turning it over. Now this is, this is what you envision. You better be right.
1: I have a question for you, Bradfo. Yes. How much of this, of this turnover – I saw this – I forget who put it out there on Twitter, but I, I kind of agreed with it. I want to I hear your take on it. They said that a lot of this turnover might be due to – the way the clubhouse was at the end of the year and like the the Kevin Polwecki DFA was kind of the cherry on top and seeing Ivaldi and Rich Hill come out and and speak against it and that they just wanted to turn
0: over turn over the clubhouse do you do you think do you read into that at all no cuz i don't think no because they're prioritizing talent above everything and and one of the the flaws in that argument is that they did want Evaldi you know so they, they, you know, this, this is the Evaldi thing was you, you made the offer and then they didn't take it. The money was allocated somewhere else. And then, you know, they came back and then they didn't, they couldn't come to terms. and But they wanted Evaldi, right? They wanted and they weren't going to – he chose the Texas offer. But they wanted aval Like that was the difference between – this isn't Rich Hill. Like they may never made an offer to Rich Hill. They never made an offer to Mastrom. Strong. You know, they never made uh, J.D. Martinez, you know, uh, are they interested, quote-unquote, a bit, dot, dot, dot. You know, so you know, this is, it, it, that's not what that was about. But they wanted Evaldi. In terms of the clubhouse stuff, <laughs> the, the Ploiecki thing is, <laughs> if you look back at it, I think that, that they should look back at it's, it's First of all, it's not a big deal. Let's get that out of the way. It was a big deal at the time because we had nothing else to talk about, and it was sort of bizarre how it went down. But, you know, they were wrong. They were wrong. It, it's not a big deal, but they were wrong. When you keep Abraham Almonte to play center field because you think you're going to lower in six-year free agents? No, no. It, it, the guy failed his physical in Korea. You know, it's like I think he landed with a minor league deal, deal in Mets. But it's – it's, it's, it's like in someone – I think Ian Brown had this analogy. Can you imagine back in 2013 – 2014, them cutting David Ross with two and a half weeks to go in the season? Like, it'd be crazy. Like, it'd be – like, you, you would have the same – you know, it, it, it's not a big deal. But in terms of that clubhouse, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't the be-all, end-all of that clubhouse, but it was something – I think to answer your question, Gordo, this is a very roundabout way of doing this is that I think that getting Turner was a big deal for the clubhouse thing because he's a good clubhouse guy. Um, but there's still going to be like, you still have sales going to be a leader, but he has to pitch. You can't be a leader really if you aren't pitching, if you aren't performing. Um, and then I'm tr- but then you're, you're going to have some uphill battle when it comes to defining that clubhouse in 2020. Before the pandemic hit. So whatever that was, that month, and up until March 11th. It was a great January. The, the the what? It was a great January. Oh, great fe- great February through March 11th. Yeah. Until they, you know, and they, it was even better in that clubhouse when they kicked us out for a couple of days. And so you got to stay six feet and Kevin Pilar was the only one coming out. So, but that clubhouse being in there that time, you had gotten rid of, All these personalities, Brock Holt, Pedroia, you know, Joe Kelly, uh, even like Price was a a presence in there, you know, for a lot of guys. Um, And I'm missing a bunch of other guys. But that clubhouse wasn't a bunch of bad guys, but it was a dead clubhouse. You could tell it from the the get-go. And you know what happened when they started back up in 2020? Those games with no fans, we could see how enthusiastic every other team was. In the dugout, except the Red Sox. And and that changed, I think. I think Kike Hernandez helped and some of these other guys helped. But I think that that showed, like, how important that was. So to, so in terms of this team, who do they have? I mean, it's, it's, it's a TBD. It really is. I mean, Justin Turner – I keep coming back to Justin Turner. Um, Bogarts was obviously a leader. He wasn't like – but he was a, a, a guy. Devers isn't going to be a captain-type guy um you know Cas. i'm going through the roster Castus is a rookie Arroyo, sure you know he's a role player um kike okay yeah i mean you know he's got some personality that's good but it's um you know you have the the catchers who are sort of quietish guys so it's you know it's going to be an uphill battle but i do think that that's why that's why the, i think the pitchers you have some veteran pitchers who are it's going to be good but i think that's why like the I'm going to say it for a third time. Justin Turner is like sort of important in that respect. I didn't answer your question, but the, the, answer, <laughs> the answer is no. It had nothing to do with it.
1: Sorry. I think you're right about Turner, though. That's a, It's a big deal having that guy and he's got prior relationships and especially with everyone KK. raves about him. Did you see the Kershaw quote about him where he was like – he said something along the lines of, I would get to the ballpark that day and see him and just know that – we had a good chance to win that day because Justin
0: Turner was there. Yeah. Well, one of the things I like is that, you know, the guys that they have acquired are actually older guys. And why I like that because usually those guys are more secure in themselves. And, and that's a big deal. If you get a, a bunch of 20 year old, 20 somethings, like they're looking over their shoulder, especially if they're new, you, you get guys, you know, you have, and they've signed a lot of older guys, right? Especially pitchers. They're secure in themselves. they like they can be themselves, which is important. They can come to a new team and be themselves. That's a very, very underrated thing, and that's what actually happened in 2013. With those guys that they got, they were all like 30 somethings. You know, Gomes and Ross and Dempster and Victorino and Napoli. Like that was important. That
2: was an important part of the equation. Anyway, there you go. I talked a lot. That just made me less confident. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. About just, just you bringing up that there's no like besides Turner, there's no real clear, you know.
0: Well, well you know, leadership it might, core. It might take time, but it's you have to prioritize talent. But still, it's I, I go back and and here's the other part about that difference of that 2020 team is that there is a difference in Cora. Like he Cora is a manager who'll come out in the clubhouse and yuck it up. Renicky what really was – I don't know if you know that he Renicky really wasn't that guy no you don't say nah, he's a good guy but this is one of the reasons when John they moved on from John Farrell Alex Cora was a guy that they felt like this is the way baseball's become where you need a manager to sort of come out into the clubhouse and mingle among the guys and and, and be that guy put up I, a
2: put up a picture for each win yeah I don't think you can yeah. do that again I think you can't run that back. That's like no. a one and done, t- especially like if you win the World Series when you do it. It's kind of like RIP home run card, RIP pictures. You know, 2019, what's be their they had thing tried something, year. didn't they? Wait, what? In 2019, they had like some other type of shtick that I don't like because things went so poorly. Like everyone was just kind of like, all right, we're not talking about this. I can't remember what it was, but it was something similar to like the pictures on the wall. Uh, well, they had, you know, obviously they had like the, the disc last year, they had the disco ball thing. Yeah. And the money guns or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my
0: gosh.
2: Club dub. was not that what the Chicago bears, uh, called their, their win, uh, their yeah. win club. I mean, they, they got enough time
0: to sit around and think about something. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, like, I think we solved a lot of problems today, didn't we?
1: Did yes. Mean? We learned that this team needs more leadership.
0: On the offensive side of the ball, I don't know. I mean, you're either you're good or you're not. It helps you if you win, but you know, winning cures all. Put that there. You go. Winning dubs dubs matter. What dubs dubs do matter. Well, of course, another couple good ones. I love the Eduardo Rodriguez one. I like that one.
1: We're bringing him home.
2: It's coming home.
1: (laughs) Someone get AC on the phone. We're bringing Erod back.
2: All right. England right. wants to bring back the World Cup. We want to bring back Erod. It's coming home. All right. Excellent. Excellent work. All right, guys. Good job.